Thank you for joining us for the lessons from First Naz Podcast. Uh, our preacher this morning is Dave Morey, our district superintendent. Dave has been our district superintendent for nearly four years now. And uh, I have had the privilege over the last year of getting to work a little more closely with Dave as I've been on our district advisory board. And it, it has been a delight. It's been really, really amazing and cool to see how Dave is... Uh, I said a few weeks ago, I see how he is taking the various responsibilities of district superintendent because it's it's so much, uh, and it's a small staff that he works with, and he is he is just making making it all make sense and work together. He's pulling it apart in some great ways. But one of the one of the things I appreciate most about Dave is his careful attention to God's word as a preacher. And uh, I look forward to, to devotion times that Dave leads as, as we get together with the district boards. And I look forward to hearing him preach anytime. So Dave, come and, and thank you for, for being with us this morning to, to open God's word. Thank you, Paul. Um, so it is a joy to be here. Uh, the reason that I'm here is uh, one of the things that a district superintendent does is um, after a pastor has started at a church, uh, at the two-year mark, the DS comes in and does an evaluation of uh, how the pastor and the board are working together, and and then, of course, the whole church. Uh, We call it a review, and of course, everybody looks forward to a a review of how they're doing, right? Well, everybody looks forward to it. Uh, But last night, we had a a meeting. Your, Your board filled out surveys. Your pastor filled out a survey, and uh, so we had a meeting last night, and I'm, I'm just very excited to tell you that your board and pastor have an amazing relationship, and they are leading this church in ways that are significant and that are, uh, that are absolutely powerful. So I want to give you that report. Praise God. Thank you. Yeah. Uh, and so as superintendent, one of the, the ways that I sort of describe my job description is um, I provide support and accountability. I provide support for pastors and churches, and then also accountability for pastors and churches. Uh, what's really interesting is because Paul is on my board, he is also a part of my support and accountability. So, uh, and I honestly, this is Christian mutual uh, fellowship that we have that has a lot at stake. I, I just think that's powerful. As we open up God's Word today, I'd invite you uh, to open up your Bibles to the book of Matthew. It is the uh, first book in the New Testament. If you, if you do have your Bibles with you, uh, I think we are also showing it on the screen. We're going to be talking about the perfect burden, uh, which doesn't that seem like a, a slight contradiction in, in terms? Uh, I hope you're feeling that a little bit, but I want to describe, actually I'm going to let Jesus describe to you uh, the perfect burden, and uh, I would invite you as you look at Matthew chapter 11, we're going to start at verse uh, 25. And we're going to read down to verse 30. Again, this is the New Testament. First four books in the New Testament are what we call the Gospels. It's uh, embedded in it is the story of Jesus told from four different perspectives, four different people. Uh, So much unity in the text. Uh, But I've just been leaning into Matthew personally in my own own personal devotions, my own study. And um, I was just trained to go fast through the Bible. Anybody else? And I don't know if that's just an American thing, but I was like, you got to read a chapter a day. You got to do the Bible in a year. And you got to like, and all my life it's been like March, 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 March. 
you know, get through it as fast as you can, read as much as you can, and uh, which is great in, in many settings, but uh, for some reason, uh, over the last few months, God's been saying, why don't you just slow down, Maury? Why don't you just read the Bible slowly? And so I've just been slow, kind of like, uh, anybody here like crockpot cooking? Is it done in 10 minutes? No, oh baby, it cooks a little bit longer. And it's good. You know, a little slow cook makes it taste good. So I've been slow cooking in the Gospels. It's been really nice. Um, and so this comes out of some of my uh, personal study. And then I went a little bit more in depth when Paul invited me to come and speak. So uh, here we are, Matthew 11. I know we've stood a lot, but I don't know. God's Word is so important. Couldn't we just stand to honor the reading of God's Word? Amen. Uh, I promise it'll be short. Matthew 11, starting at verse 25. At that time, Jesus prayed this prayer. O Father, Lord of heaven and earth, thank you for hiding these things from those who think themselves wise and clever and for revealing them to the childlike. Yes, Father, it pleased you to do it this way. My Father has entrusted everything to me. No one truly knows the Son except the Father, and no one truly knows the Father except the Son, and those to whom the Son chooses to reveal Him. Then Jesus said, come to me. Can you just hear that today? Some of you probably felt that in the, in the worship today. Jesus, Jesus turned to this crowd who was harassed and felt helpless, and He said, come to me, all of you who are weary and carry heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. Let me teach you, because I am humble and gentle at heart, and you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy to bear, and the burden I give you is light. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. You may be seated. It's the perfect burden. It's perfect. You could say it's a holy burden. It's, it's, it's the perfect burden. I, I mentioned briefly that I'm a, a, a you know, superintendent and I have a board and Paul sits on, on that board. I am accountable to that board. We meet six times a year. And, uh, and when I was a pastor uh, recently, uh, I remember having a board meeting once a month. So my stress has been cut in half. That's not entirely true. Uh, but I am one of those people that stresses out for board meetings. And, and, and Paul, we haven't talked about this, but I, I don't know what you're like. But for, for my board meetings, I stress out for them every single time. There are some pastors I've talked to and they're like, nope, I don't stress about it. It's not that. And that's fine. You know, God's just wired them perhaps a little bit differently. But board meetings for me are, are kind of like an employee evaluation. And now six times a year. Because they're every, my life's work is on display. Every, I put everything that I do, it goes in a report, and, and board members have free reign to ask me anything, and I feel like there's a lot at stake. I mean, there's 74 churches on our district, and I'm telling you what, for, before every board meeting, you can ask my wife, every, before every board meeting, I get a little quiet in the house. I, I, my mind starts to get really sort of uh, in tuned, and I start thinking through like, well, what if somebody asks me about this? And what if I'm not ready for that? And what if we haven't made enough progress on this? And for every board meeting, it just feels like there is something at stake. 
Anybody have something in your life that's like that? Uh, honestly, it's sort of a judgment day. It's a little judgment day. It's a mini judgment day. And, and, and board meetings for me are stressful like that. Now, that's because um, it's a burden. It's a burden on me. Now, I want you to think about that. Just, just from my perspective for a moment, is that healthy? I, I've literally looked out and saw some people going, yes, and some people saying no. And, and that's because they're both right. Do you want to have a district superintendent overseeing the churches of the Nazarene on the Northwest District who cares so much that he does carry it as a burden that is worth paying attention to? Do you? So do I. <laughs> so do I. But do you want a district superintendent that is so stressed out that he burns out and he wrecks his marriage and he wrecks his life and he has no personal boundaries and he's out of control because he's so work-oriented? Is that what we want? Absolutely not. You know what we want? is We want to have a superintendent, and, and Melissa and I do too, <laughs> that has the perfect burden. Would you agree? Now I want you to think about your own life just for a moment. I'm going to guess that you have burdens as well. I have other burdens as well, by the way. It's not just my job. There are other things that weigh on me. I'm just using it as an example. But I would imagine you have burdens as well. For some of it is, it is a vocation. That you feel called to a cause that has sort of turned into employment. And you believe in it so much that it is a, a burden on you. Some of you have jobs and you're like, I walk away and I don't stress and I don't care. And I get it. That's some, for some jobs it is that way. But I would guess that even if you don't have a job like that, you have a passion in life. And there is something at stake in your passion. It might be your family or it might be friends or it might be a, a cause. It might be your church, right? Uh, for some of you, it might be an opportunity that's coming up, and you're like, I hope I don't blow it. I hope I don't blow it, right? I mean, for some, these are burdens that we carry, and some of these can be very positive. But some of us also carry burdens that are trouble or problems. And some of us are carrying problems that are huge challenges in an area of life that's very important to us. For some of us, we have experienced a deep doom or we have experienced a loss, and it weighs like a burden on us. You've ever felt that before? It just weighs on you. It is a deep burden. For some of us, it's finances. For some of us, it's family or friends, a cause. There are some people that are deeply burdened by sports. God help them. <laughs> Something goes wrong in a football game, and... They're like out, they're depressed for a week. It's a burden. And what is that? It speaks to some sort of passion, right? So there, there are all of these different kinds of burdens. There's another burden that I would imagine each of us knows very keenly. And it is the terrible burden that sin puts in our life. The burden of sin is things like guilt, consequences, uh, the secrecy of it, uh, for some people to have this private life that nobody knows about, and we do secretly selfish things. And the burden of sin is terrible because it destroys things that, are, that we're made for. 
Sin, especially secret sin that's kept in the dark, can be like a burden that just weighs on people. And it's what's worse about it is it's usually very private. And you can tell it's private because everybody gets defensive when it comes up. Well, I don't want to talk about it. You know, I, we don't want to, I hate it when the pastor talks about sin. You know, why is that? Because we consider it very personal, very private. In the world around us, it's like, you know, we've, 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 our culture has just, is becoming professionals at this private, selfish life. You know, I, I just, everybody gets to choose what's right for them, and you get to speak your truth, and it's all about personalization and individualization, and it's, and it's all about what's happy for you, and you alone, and you get to choose, and it's basically saying, you get to be the God of your universe, and you get to do whatever you want. What is this? This is just individualized selfishness. And what this is leading to is heaps of burdens. You know, depression and anxiety are just rampant in our culture right now. It is the epidemic that nobody really wants to talk about for very long. Because we want to keep it very private, we want to keep it very personal, and yet it is taking a toll. These burdens are taking a massive toll on our culture. And you can probably feel that yourself. When you've had secret burdens that you, that you feel shame about, you don't want to tell anybody about it, it could be very possible in this room, there are many of us who have struggled because somebody else's sin, somebody else's selfishness has impacted us. Because sin and selfishness is never an isolated incident. It always affects the world around us. And it's very possible that somebody uh, here today would just say, yes, somebody else sinned and it is affecting me and now that is a burden on me. And some of us have carried some of these burdens for a very long time. I want you to know something today. <laughs> There's good news. Did you know that God wants to provide for you the perfect burden? And it is not sin and shame. And it is not some good news, some fake good news about selfishness. And you just get to do whatever you want. Even though that's what we think heaven's going to be like. Well, I just get to eat whatever I want. I get to do whatever I want. You know what? That's called hell. God is reshaping his people. As a, your pastor told me that, you, that you're going through a series where you're talking about how we are being reshaped. Is that what it's called? Reformed? Deformed. You're, you are being formed differently than our culture. We're just, praise God, we're deformed people. Praise God. No, I, I believe that God wants to help his people be in the world and not of it. And one of the ways he's going to do that is going to help, he's going to help each one of us have a different kind of burden. So here we find in the text, Jesus sort of jumps into this prayer. And sometimes when you read the Bible, it's like all of a sudden Jesus just prayed. I've known people like that. Or you just start praying out of nowhere. You're like, whoa, I mean, didn't you want to have us hold hands and bow our heads or something? But in this moment, Jesus has been giving, and I'd encourage you, if you like, to, to read the, the background on, on where this came from, but Jesus has been talking about the tension between John the Baptist's expectations of the Messiah, the world's expectations of the Messiah, and the reality of the Messiah. 
Jesus is the Messiah we didn't know we needed. Jesus is the Messiah that they weren't expecting, but they absolutely needed. In the same way, our burdens need to be handled in ways that we don't want, but we absolutely need. It is a a way to be formed differently by getting at the heart of what is important to us and what is weighing on us and our passions. And so Jesus starts off by just, by just praying, and he's, he's just overcome with this prayer. He says, he says, God, I'm just grateful. And some of you are like, man, it's a weird prayer. <laughs> Let's be honest. So Jesus says, man, I'm grateful, God. Lord of heaven and earth, thank you. You hid this thing from, from people. Did anybody else read that and like, come on, God's hiding stuff? God's hiding stuff? Um. A way to understand this is, uh, have you ever talked to somebody and you, you look at them and you're like, they're not listening? This is, this is what Jesus is talking about. When, when people uh, who have life completely figured out hear something, new information, they do not listen. Uh, experts. Experts. Uh, don't have a great track record always of listening to to common people. Anyway, what Jesus is saying is there is a proud group of people that exist in the world. Um, I have been that person at times because we're all sinners in this way. But sometimes we are prideful. Sometimes we, we get it all figured out. What's very convicting for me as a religious leader is Jesus was specifically singling out the religious leaders. Okay, so uh, I wish he's talking to the Romans right here, but he's not. He's talking to the religious leaders and he says, God, I praise you that they are delusional, that they don't, that, that the people in charge, I'm grateful that you're not going after the celebrity endorsement. God, I'm grateful that you're, that you're not going after the rich and the powerful. You're revealing it to those who are teachable. You're revealing it, God, to those who are childlike. What is it about childlike? I'll tell you, if you hang around with kids, and, and we have some great people hanging out with the kids today, right? Kids are teachable. They are learning machines. They're still, their souls are still pliable. They're still soaking in information. They're still figuring out how the world works. That's why they love Legos, right? I mean, they literally, they're just learning machines. And God says, man, or Jesus says, God, God Father in heaven, I'm just so grateful that you're turning the world upside down. I'm grateful that you don't see the world the way that everybody else does, where you're going to try and get the popular people and the, and the people in power, and you're trying to go after them first. Jesus says, I'm glad for this upside-down kingdom. I love it. Why does he love it? And who is, who is he revealing it to? We see it in the, next, in the next section, starting at verse 27. He says, my father has entrusted everything to me. No one truly knows the son except the father, and no one truly knows the father except the son, and those to who the son chooses to reveal him. He's talking about the very exclusive nature of Jesus. There's only, there's only one who can save. This really makes the world upset. Um. Uh, and Jesus is acknowledging it, it, 
I, I think in the world sometimes we want to say, man, everybody's nice, right? Everybody's nice. Everybody's just trying their best. And I think that's true. What Jesus is getting at here is, yes, you know, there are people who are really trying to be good or, or, or trying to be good, but can they actually help you relieve your burden 100%? Can somebody actually relieve that burden? And what Jesus is acknowledging is there, there is God. There's, there's only one who really knows who God is, who understands the, the, the breadth of, of who God is. And God only knows one can fully describe Christ. There's this unique relationship. But Jesus doesn't stop there. He says, now this is opened up. To who? To those who the Son chooses to reveal it to. And who's that? Anybody who's teachable. Anybody who's teachable. Uh, in the board meeting last night, uh, I, I brought up the, what I consider the, the faith that moves mountains. I can... I, and, God's going to clarify this when I get to heaven, but I'm convinced that the faith that moves mountains is changing human habits, adults, adult habits. Because we typically do the same things over and over again. How many of us have already broken our New Year's resolution? Why did we make one? Because we were hoping that this year something would be different. Why is it so hard? Because it's a pattern that's really difficult to change. What Jesus is saying here is, you know, God's got this amazing plan. He's got this absolutely amazing plan for humanity. Every human and humanity. And in this amazing plan, I'm looking for people who will listen and who are willing to do things just a little bit differently. Why? To embrace this upside down kingdom. That's going to be very different. And so he says, he goes on and he says, um, come to me then, all of you who are weary and carry heavy burdens, and I'll give you rest. I, I want to pause for a minute on the, on the sin burden, uh, this, this selfishness that's in each and every one of us. Um, there's, there's only one who can, who can save us from sin. There's only one who, who died on the cross. The, the incredible cosmic story of God's activity in the world is summed up in the, in the someone named Jesus Christ. And the, the power that he has, that Jesus has over sin, is exclusive. I would just invite all of us to ask, is there any other person in history uh, that is like Jesus? They just don't, they don't exist. So it's not that, that Jesus is exclusive in terms of like rejecting everybody. What he's saying is there's just only one way. There's, it's not that, that he's like destroying other ways. They never existed. There, there's only one Jesus in history and he's plunked right in the middle of human history in such a powerful way that, that it's world changing. It, it should make us see the entire universe differently in the person of Jesus Christ. His, his teachings are significant and they point us to this revolutionary movement that can change every single human to make us different. It kind of comes down to this point. God has a plan and sin makes it really hard to understand. I want to say that one more time. 
God has a plan for your life and he has a plan for my life. And he has a plan for us individually but also collectively. God has a plan. And sin is in the way. Selfishness is in the way. You can kind of see this in the world. You know, I love the fact that we want to make the world cleaner and better. And I mean, the human impact on the environment around us, we can see it. All right, we can see it. And we want to say, we, we want to change, we want to make the earth greener and cleaner and better. And I agree. But we also want to do everything we've always done before. And I really don't want to be inconvenienced. What is that? I, I need to live my life. It's sort of, sort of a selfish inwardness that sort of keeps us from doing what maybe is better for the whole world. I, I think this is just one example of how the world really has this, these pretty lofty ideals and goals, but we have a hard time doing it without Jesus. And God actually desires for all of us in humanity to be working together to do what? I mean, it's the human project going back to Genesis. Doing what? Cultivating the earth. Making things better. Bringing all these elements together to do beautiful things in all these different areas. And we're fulfilled when we do this. Each and every one of us has a passion that's kind of like what? Kind of like a burden. To make the world around us better. We see that. We can feel that. And what gets in the way? Selfishness. Sin is what the Bible calls it. So God says, let's take care of that. Let's get to the heart of every human and the heart of humanity. And if we can change the heart, if we can change the inside of people, then we become co-laborers with God. You ever heard that concept? We are co-laboring with God. We're included in that. Do you see how Jesus did this, where he was including people in his mission? Sometimes we act like Jesus just did it all himself, but what was he doing? Inviting disciples along the way, just including people. Why? He was helping them get rid of sin and the selfishness, get rid of tax collecting, get rid of just business as usual, get rid of all this stuff. Who's willing to listen? Who's willing to be teachable? Come on. Come follow me. Come follow me and I will help you. I will. What does he say? He says, come to me, you're weary and heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. Let me teach you. You know what a yoke is? Anybody here got oxen? What is it? It's a giant, you know, piece of wood, slab, and you, you tie two oxen to it, and what do you do? You can plow a field. And I, I want this to say, uh, you know, I, I'll be honest. I wanted Jesus to say, I will rip the yoke off your shoulders. I will let you sleep in. I will let you watch football on Sunday afternoon. I will let you eat whatever you want at the buffet. I will let you do whatever, I will let you rest. That's not what Jesus says. He says, I'll give you a perfect burden perfect burden I want us to just um, think back to a childhood um, story of Goldilocks she shows up at at the bear's house 
and she tries out the porridge, and there's one that's what? Too hot. There's another one that's what? Too cold. But there's one that's what? Just right. You see, God would like to give you a burden. He would like to place a burden on you, but he doesn't want it to be too heavy. He doesn't want it to be too light. He wants it to be just right. Say that with me. God, give me a burden, but not too heavy, not too light. Make it just right. The Goldilocks burden. That's what I should have called it. He wants to give you the perfect burden. If you're burdened down today by sin and and selfishness and you just recognize my sin or somebody else's sin is wrecking my life, I want you to know that today you can pray and say, Jesus, forgive me and help me forgive those around me who've sinned against me. And God, would you do the work of setting me free from that burden? God, would you do the work of of setting me free from that? Did you know that there will still be consequences to our sin? Did you know that there are consequences even for other people's sin in your life? The consequences uh, remain, but the burden can be lifted. I remember meeting someone in prison who was suffering from the consequences of his sin, but he was free. He had a perfect burden. The weight of prison was not too much because Jesus had set him free and set him free so that he could be changed from the inside out in prison. Powerful, powerful. This is the the, the amazing and saving work of Jesus that lifts our burdens off of us and makes sure that we have a perfect burden. Because if it's too light a burden, what are you? Hopeless, helpless, lost, meaningless, scrolling through an internet feed, Lord help us. It's the latest addiction, right? Looking for, you know, whatever it is in all the wrong places, that's what it is to to not have a burden, to not have a purpose. And God says, I made you to be a co-laborer with me, to be a a, a co-creator with me. I made you for something, but you're not God. I made you for something. Will you be teachable? Will you be a part of this upside-down kingdom? Paul actually says this amazingly well in Galatians 6. And, And if you do have A little bit of time, you want to go a little deeper. I would just encourage you, maybe with your small group, you could just read through Galatians 6, but I'm going to read the uh, five verses from it. And just hear this from from Paul, would you? Because it's all about what what Jesus talked about. He says, Dear brothers and sisters, if another believer is overcome by sin, if another believer around you is overcome by sin, you who are godly should gently, humbly, what is that? You know, teachable, not, not overbearing, but gently and humbly help that person back on the right path. Isn't this amazing how, how we are burdened for one another? Gently and humbly helping one another back on the right path. Be careful not to fall into the same temptation yourself. Share in each other's burdens and in this way obey 
the law of Christ. We're loving one another. If you think you're too important to help someone, you're only fooling yourself. And I love this. You're not that important. (laughs) That's literally what Paul said. You're not that important. (laughs) Pay careful attention to your own work. Your own burden, you could say. For then you will get the satisfaction of a job well done and you won't need to compare yourself to anyone else. For we are each responsible for our own conduct. You could say, we're each responsible for our own burden. Why? Because God's giving you the perfect burden. Not too heavy. Not too light. What is it? Just right. I just think for a moment, could you think about how we are letting Christ sort of lift the heaviness of our current burdens? And we're allowing God to then realign our burdens. Now, I think my life is a series of sort of like finding the balance in that. Would you agree? Some of you have followed Jesus for years. You know what this is like. Like, this is too heavy, too heavy. I'm, I'm losing sleep. It's too heavy. Or, or maybe I'm disengaged and I'm, and I'm walking away. I'm not paying attention to what I should be. And God wants to come along and say, I want to give you the perfect burden and you can be a part of a body of Christ that's doing this together together not alone together so Paul is is highlighting this and saying bear one another's burdens but not too much you got to take care of your own burden as well see this incredible balance that 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 God gives us uh, Melissa and I, when we were uh, pastoring uh, at a church, the, the church was right across the street from the community college. And uh, when we got there, there was no young adult small group. So uh, we decided that we would start up a small group for young adults. So really, uh, you guys have an amazing youth group in your church. I've come to understand our board meeting last night, a uh, powerful, dynamic group. And uh, you know that those young, that young adult age is really difficult as people are trying to, young adults are trying to figure out what in the world am I doing in life? And so Melissa and I started up a, a small group just to start to include these college-age kids and young adults. And, uh, and so we did that. Well, there's one day a, a young woman uh, came in, very quiet, didn't say too much. Uh, and this was a young woman who had grown up in our church. We didn't know her because she had left before we got there. But she left because she was going to go do life her own way. She was going to, you know, she was going to, Grab life by the tail. She was putting herself in charge of her life. And she was going to go out on her own and, and figure it all out. And so she left home with high hopes and expectations and just going to enjoy life for all it was worth. Now, uh, just a couple years later, she had found herself in what started off, she said, as a good relationship. And then it had gotten incredibly, horribly toxic and even abusive. And she found herself burdened by her sin and somebody else's sin and trying to do it all herself. All of a sudden, she was backed into a very dark corner. And I mean very dark. And she was lost, just lost. And she came back to our our town because her mom was diagnosed with cancer, which is another burden. And so she came home to help take care of her mom, even though she... Um, was not following Jesus, she was going to then try and take some of the burden of her mom. 
Now, that's a lot for a young adult to handle on their own. So she comes back. She leaves that toxic relationship. It's actually, Melissa and I sort of uh, were talking about this. This was sort of a way that God got her out. It was a way that God got her out. God, I believe that God was saving her. I don't believe that God caused cancer, but I believe he was using it. He was working all things together for good. I be, and so she came home. She got in our college group. She, um, she just quietly began to soak in God's word. She rededicated her life to Jesus Christ. She met somebody else. That young man started coming to our group. They started to receive grace and forgiveness and conviction. And they started to receive everything that Jesus had to offer. And Jesus transformed her life. What was that? Jesus was giving her a better and appropriate burden. It was appropriate for her to be burdened for her mom. It was inappropriate for her to bear the weight of abuse and 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 toxic relationships. So God set her free from all of that and gave her the hope that only, only Jesus can offer. It was with great joy that I presided over her wedding to this young Christian man. And her life is absolutely transformed. And now she, you know, you're talking about new births. Now she is a mom. And of course, what is that? That is a burden. <laughs> you're, a mom, you're a parent. That is a burden. But what is that? It's a beautiful burden, isn't it? Do you see how God is working in every human's life to bring them out of the darkness, out of unhealthy burdens, and bringing them into the light where they can be set free from the power of sin? Where Jesus says, my yoke is easy. My burden, it's a burden, but my burden is light. Take my yoke upon you. Would you take his yoke on you? It's the perfect burden. Not too heavy, but it's not too light. It's what? It's just right. Would you stand with me as we close in prayer? Lord, I, I thank you so much for uh, revealing this uh, to us. I thank you, God, for how you are helping each of us. We, we feel the weight of the world around us. Some of us are are feeling the burden of, of the world, that, that there's so many problems going around the world, Lord, and sometimes we can be so overwhelmed and we can just carry it like a burden. I pray, God, that you would help us to be obedient in, in just what you ask us to do because it will not be more than we can bear. Lord, if there's anybody here who is realizing the significant destructive power of sin and the toll that it's taken in their life. And they need to give that over to you, God. May this be the moment where they pray, God, forgive me for the sin that I've done. Lord, help me to feel those consequences early and to deal with this problem, this selfish seed. Lord, provide a way out. Lord, bring people into my life through a small group or through a mentor or through a, another Christian brother or sister. Provide help for me with someone who can help with my burden from a Christ-like point of view to help each and every one of us, God, to help me have more of a perfect 
burden. Lord, I thank you that we're not just spectators around the world. We are godly participants and that you have something in store for each of us. That you have a a calling on each of us, a burden to place on us as we are co-creators with you in this world. Thank you that we all have a part in every season of our life. And so we pray, God, that you would do this great work in us. Thank you that your burden is light. Thank you, God, for trusting us. We love you, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. As you go, may you feel the presence of God giving you clarity as you discern his work in your life. You are dismissed.